Kia ora everyone. This episode of The Stag Roar is brought to you by Shearsies. After COVID last year, I wanted to start putting away some money to create a little bit of a nest egg on top of what I was already doing with KiwiSaver. Shearsies allowed me to invest $25 a week in the share market and see the returns. If you'd like to start investing in the share market, follow the link in the show notes and you'll receive $5 to go towards your first investment. Check it out in the show notes. Follow the link to Shearsies. Yeah, like um, I think it was a good 140 episodes just rocking some um, bloody iPhone headphones. <laughs> Get a ma- major static. You, you know, you pe- people will probably go in, going through the back catalogue of the Stag Raw going, what are you talking about? But there'll be a moment where around 150, they're like, oh, that sounds nicer. And then about <laughs> 190, and they'll go, that sounds a bit weird. And then, oh, that sounds real good. When I when yeah. I started started using those studio microphones, holy heck, doing yeah, it a lot per- better, doing it in person, and getting the feedback and the and the banter is awesome. So obviously, mate, you're you're level three up there in Auckland. Well, how you how you going? <laughs> it's um man, it's been a grind day. Eh? It's I think we're in our in our tenth week up here, so. It's, a, it's almost becoming normal to be in level three, so it's almost like we've just accepted that these are our circumstances moving forward for the next wee while, but it has been a struggle. Man, it's, um, it's normality seems so far away and so far out of reach, to be fair. Um, Christmas looks a little bit dim. Summer looks a little bit less entertaining uh, yeah. travel-wise, so uh, it's definitely not uh, reassuring and positive, but, man, it is what it is. got to... It just is what it is. It's completely out of our control, to be fair. Yeah, I got the cheeky Bay Dreams notification yesterday or the day before, and money's already in my account ready to go to to buy oh. the uh, downgraded ticket. However, the, down, the downgraded concert is pretty much who we were going to go and watch, NetSky, Hubbard Mines, COVID, that sort of stuff. So I was like, yeah. I'm, I'm not angry about it. You've actually done me a favour there. Yeah, I just hope it bloody happens. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what is Bay Dream still going ahead or uh they've organized a variation. A variation. Right. Because um yeah, there must be there must be a few guys that have already booked their spots, you know. The legend Boris, he's coming back for another summer in New Zealand. Um next oh, guy. Yeah, fuck um Victor is it what it's even called? Spark Arena last year. Yeah, one of the two. This week, this year, last year, God, it's all the same. Yeah, yeah. it was a, it was a it was a cracker. Made um you're in, you're in the police. What what are you what are you rolling? Is that right? In yeah, man. Yeah, man. So um, I've been a police officer going on just shy of two years at the moment. So um, I think at the back end of 2019, I, I graduated police college down in Potidor. So it's been an awesome journey, bro. Um, obviously, uh, when I when I left police college, I I got deployed into South Taranaki, South Taranaki, where I was born and bred. Um, but had a missus up in Auckland, so. Ended up making the shift up to up to uh, up to the big smoke and and enjoying uh, being a cop in, in South Auckland ever since, man. So South Auckland, Manurewa to be specific, that's the area that I cover. Uh, we, we we cover a little bit of Manukau as well, but um, I think stats wise, we're most equal, being the busiest station in the whole country. So definitely not short of work as you can imagine, but mate, every day is different. Every day is a challenge, uh, and you learn so much, and you're just exposed to so many different things ordinarily that people don't really don't really get have to see um to be fair so awesome 
awesome um, decision, life decision for me to, to move into the police, bro, for sure. Yeah. So what uh, area is Kings class as? Is that Otara or Manuri? Um, Kings is Odahu. So in, in terms of policing, you in Auckland, you have three different districts. So you have Waitamata, which is out west, and North Shore, Auckland City, which covers obviously like the central Auckland, and then you have counties. Now, counties is separated into two different radio channels because there's so much work. Right? <laughs> <laughs> shout <laughs> so out. Two, yeah, shout out to South Auckland. Um, and so you have counties west, which is Otahu, Amangare, and then counties east, which is um, Otara, Ormiston, Flatbush, Howick, um, probably the nice area out of, out of the two. <laughs> And then, and then counties, um, counties one, which is the name of radio channel that covers Manukau, um, Papakura, Pukakawi, Papakura, all the way. So, Kings fits in County South. Yeah, Karaka, <laughs> Pocono. Yeah. Oh, gee, all the way. Agro country. <laughs> yeah, far out, or or, or the uh, the little um, border bypass there down down in the hill. Yeah. That, that was that was a bit. The cheeky of those people. Thanks a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely not making it easy. Have you been through the borders? Oh, it's not. Oh, hmm. so I went through the border last year. Uh, but again, that wasn't really through. It was kind of to the border. That was when it was up on Bombay, and then obviously yeah. it shifted its way down to uh, Marissa. So I've been I've been going to Marissa uh, the last for two months, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's been um, it's been interesting. For for a wee while there, it was something different every time, but now it seems that there's a process in place now. Um, I rock yeah. up from the Waikato end and wait for um, my ex to get there, and then a police car escorts me and whoever else is waiting across the other side, and there's a wee gravel pit. And then, yeah, you <laughs> drive 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 away whether with your uh, child or, or having dropped the child <laughs> off as um yeah, it's quite fun. It's a, it's quite a scene there on a on a Friday and Sunday. Yeah, yeah I bet. I bet. <laughs> I was I was well, very I was very happy that I got. Actually, I wasn't even going up there, but um, yeah, got the memo that a couple of weeks ago that that was a no go. So I glad I didn't finish work at five o'clock, jump in my car, burn all two hours up there, and then find there was yeah. there was nothing to pick up. So yeah, that's yeah. it. That's it. No, so, I'd, I'd like to think that they. Um, sorry, but I'd like to think that they've got their. Their systems bound down pat. I've had enough practice Saturday. <laughs> yeah, so when, when, when it came up uh, that it, it got it got out, I was sort of a bit of banter with the guys. You know, do you know where you're going yeah. next week? And they're like, "Oh, we don't know where we're going tomorrow, man." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not wrong. Yeah. So, bro, um, we met at uh, Hotepi Rugby Club. Um, mm. you, you like like we just mentioned there. You'd come from Kings. Um, Born bred Taranaki, like what? What took you to the mighty Cambridge Home of Champions? Um, so pretty much how it all started when I was um, shout out how to actually one of the best rugby clubs, probably the best rugby club that I've ever been a part of. To be fair, mate, you're um, um, you're at a pretty good rugby club today too, mate. Colin Madden Park is a hell of a ground, yeah. hell of a club. If you if you do down the boots again, mate. Uh, yeah, I'm sure they'll have you. They're great lads there at uh, Varsity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they are. They are good lads. I um, I'm in talk with them at the moment actually to uh, don the boots for them next year. So we'll see how it happens. Ooh. But yeah, I just lived around the corner from from Colin Maiden, so the um, beauty of a day up here in Auckland. So I thought I'd um, I'd sneak out and have a few kicks and whatnot. So um, make sure you still yeah, bro, when it. I was at 
Yeah, yeah, a few, few um left astray. Definitely a few <laughs> kicks left out on the field today, but we'll get there. Um, right, when I was in my last year of school, I signed with Taranaki Mighty Ten, and yeah. I still wanted to study off the back of that. Um, but Taranaki doesn't have a uni there, so we're left in a bit of in between a rock and a hard place. So um, there was myself and two other Howtap lads, Tom Tom Florence and um, and Brad Slater. Uh, now we had a deal with uh, Taranaki and Chiefs, so Taranaki came under the Chiefs then, and the Chiefs would um, help us out with our university studies for semester A, first half of the year, and then when um, the provincial stuff came around, uh, under 19s and minor 10 and the likes, we would go back to the Naki and play our footy down there. So we were allocated a, a footy club um, in the Hamilton district, um, in, in the White Cuttle there, and yeah, bro. I I think to be fair, I'm not too sure how we all ended up going to to Howtap. I think I think Jaime would have reached out. Yeah. Um, but I remember, yeah, Jaime reached out, um, and when I was on my way back to the Naki after finishing school, the day after graduation, I was did a little bit of pit stop into the club rooms, and Jaime showed me around. And um, my uncle actually lives just around the corner from there, just past Cambridge High School. So I before I even went to play for Howtap when I was down there for a few holidays growing up, I used to always go to the number one on Howtap and have a few kicks and whatnot too. So I felt right. Um and I I, I fell in love with the club really quickly. So great bunch of lads like yourself. Um love the wits as well, but just good competitive <laughs> footy and, 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 and boys that are, you know, that are just all about it. So and i I've been talking to Toddy Durlin lately and um majority of the chat is about Howtap, but just how much I miss it to be fair. Yeah, I think you um, attended a lock in that ended all lock-ins for a couple of years there, Sharon. <laughs> yeah. things, 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 things unfortunately got a little bit messy. Um, yeah. Thankfully, only in the changing rooms. But um, yeah, that's yeah, we, I think we embarrassed ourselves that night. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, I, I was I was all right because I was running a room. But um, yeah, I think the rotation policy and, and um, people getting a bit competitive, got, got things out of hand. And, um, yeah, I think it ended lock-ins for a little while there at Hotabu Rugby Club. Yeah, yeah. yeah a few chippies, few chippies to come in on a Monday morning. <laughs> yeah, I think that was also half the problem. It took too, took too long to uh, get get someone to fix a hole. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, 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 not enough people with skilled labour in the team. Too, too many students. Ah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Too many, too many people who think they know it all and actually don't. Yeah. <laughs> so what did you study, yeah. mate? Um, I was studying sport, health, and human performance and Māori on the side. Yep. So um, when I first left school, I was always keen on being a physio or a chiropractor, and yep. that kind of just made sense for me. Um, and those were kind of the, the two things that I, that I did well in school was in Māori and PE. So I thought I put two and two together, and, and long behold, I only spent two years there. So um, <laughs> I, I quickly realized that uni really wasn't for me, man, to be fair. I just wasn't one of those people that was meant to be stuck inside for four or five hours a day um, listening to, to someone talk and writing down notes. So I'm more the practical kind and I grew up on a farm, so I love being outdoors and, yeah. Nice. So, so did you come away with a piece of paper or uh, moved on <laughs> to the next thing? <laughs> probably, I probably came away with maybe an eighth of a piece of paper without any ink on it. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I always like to say that I was enrolled in uni. I just never went to uni, so. Oh, do you need? Not worried about it. 
no, that's right. Uh, life life moves on. I I did the opposite. I went to uni for bloody uh, seven years, and um, two pieces of paper later, I'm, nice. I'm still still paying for it. So it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's <laughs> interest free though, surely. Yeah, no, no, that's that's correct. But ninety six k is ninety six k, and uh, it takes a little oh, while. That's, man, that, that's steep, eh? That's yeah. steep. What what's your papers for? What do you got? Um, so we went, went to Auckland um, off the bat and, and thought uh, NCA had prepped me well. Turns out it, it hadn't. Also, <laughs> but a bit, a bit like you, I was enjoying myself. But a bit of freedom in the big smoke coming from Invercargill, yeah. and um, yeah, we had. Uh, at the end of the first term, we had two um, papers, which was like human body systems and chemistry, 40% um, multi-choice, uh, you know, no no uh, plusage or anything, fully weighted. And uh, I got yeah. 50% in both of them. And I was like, oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, now I had to take, take, well, take another path for a little while. So I ended up going to Dunedin, closer to home, but cheaper living and, mm. and got a Bachelor of Science down there and, and managed to get into optometry from there. So, yeah, okay. it, was a bit, it was a bit of a crossroads at the end of that Bachelor of Science. I was like, well, what do I do? Like, do I carry on, if I don't get in, do I carry on studying science and, and go down that road, which I kind yeah. of thought was a dead end. Um, I would have learned some cool shit, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know what it would have made of me. But, um, yeah. That second year in Dunedin, I was part of the pre-academy, and so I sort of started to think, well, maybe I'll go home to Invercargill, do my do my best at playing rugby, and I don't know, do a building apprenticeship or something like that. But obviously, yeah. that never happened, and then ended up in Auckland, and as I said, played play for Varsity, and a few jobs later, ended up in Cambridge and, and ran into you. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to ask you how you ended up at Alta, but you yeah, just explained it to me. So. Just work, eh? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, nice. Yeah, just new new job back back with those guys now down here in Tokoro or old yeah. um Ryan Coxon's stomping ground. Um yeah. He's a yeah. It's a big photo of him. When you go to the desk at the at the city council, they got a photo of like all the representatives and sure old Cox is there. <laughs> oh good. <laughs> Need your lawns mode, ring me. Yeah, hard out. We just yeah. come come back to town. I've got some mighty lawns. Um, yeah. Did Did you catch? I don't know who the podcast is, but they were they were rating um, Tokoro's like best looking dudes, and, and of course they were like throwing Quade Cooper and Sean Maitland in there. Yeah. And yeah, yeah I, I was like, "Fuck, oh, Coxy, you missed it out." And he was just taking yeah. Re- Re- Regan as a what from the Seven Steve. Like, oh mate, yeah. sure, surely, surely we're top ten. <laughs> yeah, just branch it out a bit. Now that was um that was YKTR sports podcast over yeah. in um, Sydney. Yeah. Um, so Isaac John, he's from, he, he runs the whole business there. He, that was his podcast and he's from Tokoro as well. But I definitely think Coxie drew the short straw on that one. He's, he's left out, I think. Yeah, especially with that moustache. What a handsome man. Yeah. Yeah. And that new moonbird of his. How good. My good mate, um, he was rocking that last year at, at New Year's Day. I think, I think um, well, you know, Coxie can't put it to good use. He's, he's in a loving relationship, but uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sympathy card it, it can sometimes work in your yeah, favour. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> any sympathy card you don't work on with a doctor on on the fifth of Jan. So. <laughs> yeah, I know. Wait, so what? What was it like going up in? Actually, first off, where the fuck did your name come from? Is that well? <laughs> oh, <bro. laughs> it's, it's a funny story here, bro. So Are Shran, you Samoan or something? Um, like, is, is that what's going? On? <laughs> <laughs> so Shrant Shrant actually made up. My old man made it up. Um, oh, it's not even Welsh. Irish. 
No, it's like Welsh. It looks Irish. A lot of yeah. people uh, mistake it for Irish, but um, no, it's um, yeah, it's pretty unique. And I've I've had my uh, I've had my difficulties with pronunciation over the years, as you can imagine, especially with first day at school or. You walk into class and there's a reliever, beauty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just, here we go. Uh, yeah, here we fucking go. Honestly, bro, I got to the point where obviously the role would get called out by the by the reliever, and because it's getting called out every day, you know where your where your name stands, and you know yeah. when your name's coming up. And there'd be, um, I knew the whole list, and I knew when the reliever was at my name. And I'd literally just put my hand up and say, yeah, I'm here because you just stumble. I had stumble. He'd <laughs> be like, Jessica, James, Mitchell. And then there'd be like a five-second, ten-second pause. And I'm like, yeah, fuck, I'm here, miss. Like, <laughs> I'm here. And everyone just starts laughing. So, man, I've, I've had some shockers over the over the, um, sorry, over the the sorry, years. So Sharon's probably been one of the worst ones. Karen, Kiaran, bro, you, Nate, you try and figure out. Figure it out. You you name it. I've I've been called it. So you've been, you've been called it, mate. Um, yeah. yeah. You're saying Irish like O'Connor. I'm always you know, spelling that out. Oa, yeah. Oh, apostrophe here. We need an O R. You must be the same. Yeah. Like, hi, my name's Ryan. See, I A H. Yeah, just it's even a struggle with the spell. Um, <laughs> the old so, man just couldn't have called me like Josh or James. A eh? yeah. So what what was it made up from? Um, honestly, he's just. I think he just had his creative pants on one day and he thought, I don't, I don't know if he thought it would have been funny, but it's on the birth certificate, bro. So um, there, there's literally no explanation behind it, no logic. He just thought, oh, that'd sound cool. But, did, did, you, did your mum have a say? Repercussions. Was this like a predetermined thing or it was just like you go oh. you go deal with the birth certificate and here we go? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't really a predetermined thing because um, I'm, I'm one of two. I've got an older sister and... Um, the deal was, oh sweet, if if we have a girl, mum, you can name him. My mum could right. name it. And then obviously when the boy came around, dad had balls in dad's court, so he kind of <laughs> did what he wanted to do with it. Unfortunately, yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. I like that. Yeah. So then, what what was it like growing up in South Taranaki? It was um, oh, it was different, man. Like South Taranaki, the the geographics. Where specifically, bro? Um, oh, oh, it's a little a little town called O'Raw. So South Taranaki, one of the main metros there is Hawara. Um, yep. I'm about 20 minutes west of that towards uh, around the coast there. So a little bit inland towards the mountain, halfway between the mountain and the and the west coast there. So um, on, a, on, a, on a cold day in the southerly wind, it can get pretty chilly, but um, no clouds in the sky. You can, see the, you can see the mountain and the sea as well. So beauty spot. Um, but it was just isolated, man, like town of – probably 2000 max all farmers and to be honest the, the demographic were all, were all like european and we were the only multi family there so it was it was kind of like a it was a little bit i struggled to not fit in but just trying to discover myself as a young kid um and yeah probably too fit in to be fair but um i, I really enjoyed it bro like we lived right across the road from my primary school so i'd go to school and bare feet um, I'd run home for lunch, you know, like I'd be pissing down. We'd I'd be outside playing rugby during lunchtime and 10 minutes before the bell went, I'd shoot home, have a shower, get on yeah. some new kit and run back over and bare feet, you know, that was just that was just how it was. So, um, man, it was an awesome way to grow up. Mum and dad have been dairy farmers for about 20, 30-odd years. So, um, yeah, real humble upbringing, bro. Um, we didn't have much, but mum and dad made do with what we had and 
we never went without, to be honest. So and I'm grateful for how, how I was brought up in my childhood, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And your sister, she looked after you? <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, during the times that she actually wanted to recognize that I was a little brother. So um, she was, she's about seven years. <laughs> she was about oh, seven mate. years older than me. So I was probably that young, annoying little brother that, like, I didn't really click with the group. So, nah, she was really good, man. So uh, it wasn't long until she was off to boarding school and I was the only one at home. So, um, kind of got to sit back and relax a little bit more, but um, yeah, no, nah, she's been she's been uh, one of my role models for ever since I can remember, bro. So in sports and in life, so yeah, awesome to have a, to have an older sister. Be nice to have a few other siblings, but I'm grateful for what I've got. Eh? Hard out, hard out. So, mate, how, how did you end up at Kings? Like, you, like you see, little town where you're struggling to fit in. Like, yeah, yeah. holy heck, mate. Get it, get yeah, it. It's, um, <laughs> yeah, it's a complete zero to a hundred, or it's it's um it's pretty extreme the the jump, man. So when I when I was at primary school down there in O'Raw, um, I went down to the local intermediate, which was twenty minutes into town on a bus um, daily. From there, I went down to Palmerston North. So kind of my first time moving away from home, year nine, started boarding, went to a Maori school called Tutor for two years, and um. I was playing for the Mountain Under-16 rugby team at the time, and we had a Hurricanes Under-16 tournament over on, on the West Coast, so the East Coast, um, over in Ruatoria, just past mm-hmm. Gilbert. Yeah. So um, we had, like, Wellington, Manawadu, Taranaki, uh, the East Coast, Wanganui, a lot of teams were there, and um, a lot of good players in those teams, actually. I made the tournament team, and I I, um, I saw a photo of, of the tournament team and there was like the likes of um i think eddie anari was there town falcon i saw for omoa as i walker so like multi all blacks and all blacks so um it was a good team for sure i think jordy barrett was in there as well um and then so kings at the time kings first 15 and st Kent's first 15 were coached by a pair of twins ty and tassisa love here yeah and <clears throat> at the time they were um they were kind of out looking for a few a few players to to add to their add to their team and mm-hmm. they were they happened to be at the Hurricanes under sixteen tournament and I got approached by one of them at the at the end of one of the games and um Sessa, who was the Kings coach, he kinda of pulled me aside and he was like, Hey look, I'm I'm to Sessa. I, I work at Kings, I'm part of the rugby program there. Would you like to come and have a look? Um and it was a, <laughs> what, what did they have to be like, mate? Would you like to come have a look? You're talking about kids. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and like, of course I said yes, but man, I honestly had, I hadn't seen Kings before. I didn't know what it was all about. I didn't know. That there's a gym, a pool. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that it's in the smack bang of Odahu, South Auckland, but you think that you're walking into Hogwarts. And like I said, Especially with the uniform as well. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. So, um, a couple of weeks later, man, my, my parents drove me up from, from South Taranaki. We took the sick, oh, about five and a half, six hour trek up north, pulled into the gates. And it, it honestly, um, it was honestly surreal, man. Like I'd never, I'd never been anywhere like that before. I've got a, um, like a world-class running track, kind yeah. of like, yeah, like, like eight lanes, completely like Olympic type um the boarding houses look like hotels these big oak trees lining the drive and it's just a full brick school that just looks like hogwarts and i was just blown away bro you had like maybe 10 20 
tennis courts, a few basketball courts, an indoor cricket facility, um, pavilion for the cricket. You've got literally everything you need. And um, if I compared that to to all the little school I was at in Palmy, we had like communal showers at the back of our school after trainings um, in a shipping container. So you can only imagine <laughs> what I was thinking. I was this hoary little mouldy boy. I was like, fuck, I would have been 14, 15. And um, I was just blown away by it, man, and got a tour around the school and was, um, yeah, I was obviously walking around the school trying to drag my fucking, my door was still hanging on the ground trying to drag it towards me. But um, man, like that, that's the whole story about it. But like, I walk around big schools like that poaching players and I, I understand I understand that side of um, that side of the argument but to be fair in in my experience when Tessa approached me he was like we want to help you become a really successful rugby player but ultimately we want to provide you with the world class education we want you to leave Kings being a better person which leads to you being a better husband, a better father. And an all-round holistic approach was something that actually really, well, obviously, um, it struck me. And I've, I've never I've never left that conversation. I've yeah. always remembered it. And How did that feel as a 15-year-old, like getting basically another 15 years view, worldview down the track? Like, oh, man. <laughs> to be completely honest, I had I didn't realise the severity of it and mm-hmm. it didn't which means that I didn't quite realise how big of an opportunity it was. So I didn't think of it as a big opportunity until I until I actually drove through the gates. And I got it I I had to sit down with my parents and Tessa and the headmaster at the time and there was no pressure on me to make any decisions. Um they literally said you're more than welcome to come here. We can sort you out. But at the end of the day, it's your decision. I looked mm-hmm. at mum and dad and it was honestly a given. Like, And to be honest, man, it was probably one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. A young Māori boy from primary school of maybe 150 to getting a scholarship at King's College, one of the most prestigious high school institutions in the country, is just unheard of. And when you grow up in a small town, not even a town you don't think that those things are obtainable you like it's just mm-hmm. not a thing and mm-hmm. like ultimately they gave me an opportunity to become a better person and not to be a rugby player and i made the decision to go there there was no pressure on me so um what i actually did was it, it brought my my perspective on life and thought man like some of these things that seem so far out of reach from when i was a kid are actually achievable yeah and like yeah it was cool man it was cool it was honestly cool so it actually put like a non-tangible thing turned it into something tangible and mm. just elevated me in all facets of life bro so and like being from such a humble background and then getting such a prestigious opportunity i literally did everything i could to try and pay back the school and like probably as a result my rugby there took Ironically, I put it on the big foot and I made sure that I was like the best student. I had A-plus uh, effort grades. And, bro, honestly, towards the end of it, at the end of my second year there, so at the end of my Form 6, I got a, I got an opportunity to get interviewed to be um, head boy, deputy head boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, man, like it was such a crazy turn of events. And in my last year, I was lucky enough to be deputy head boy of the school. And that for me was like a... Um, 
is a massive opportunity for me to actually give back to the school even more. And yeah. like for someone to go there on a rugby scholarship, but to end up being deputy poor head boy, like I think that just shows how much of an effort that I put in to buy into everything about the school. I wasn't just there for rugby, you know, I was there for my education. I was there for buying into house sports and the house environment and boarding house and all of those other holistic um, cultural environments and it was wicked man hard out being place <clears throat> so like um what 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 was the difference of when you went to uni education wise <laughs> oh bro it was um to be fair like king's education is really really sound really sharp and they've got the best teachers for literally everything and they it's, it's a good segue school for overseas uh, universities so they yeah. have, have have you heard of like cambridge yeah, bro. Yep. Yeah, so like, managed to hang out with a few Kings guys um, in my first year of uni. Yeah, so um, yeah, gosh, that, so that, that was what have. kind of that's what kind of blew me away when I went to um, uni. Like I said, there, I don't, I thought NCA had prepared me for university, and then I was in, yeah. you know, biomedical science with all the pre medicine people, and they were just like knocking it out of the park, and I was just like, what is this stuff? And they're like, oh no, 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 yeah. no we did that last year. I'm like. Pfft. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bro, you're right. So, yeah, Kings has the the IGCE um, syllabus along with NCAA. Oh, sorry, NCA syllabus as well. So, um, and that that Cambridge syllabus is for like people who are like switched on up top ridiculously. <laughs> so, I I think like your equivalent for NCA level one. Or Cambridge is like your equivalent of NCA level three. So yeah, like they're just like like incredibly smart people. Um, and I, I um, yeah, I obviously took NCA. <laughs> so like to be to, to in my in my defence, I took chemistry, physics, um, and, and a few others because I thought I would have needed it for med school to go into chiropractic college. Yeah, um, and. It was it definitely put me in good stead for for uni. Yeah. Um. Just 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 going to honestly just being NCA at Kings put yeah, me in right. good stead for uni. So, uh, it, w- it wasn't much different. To be fair, uh, the transition was pretty smooth, and my teachers at at Kings were, were immense, man. They were awesome. Um. They're dedicated. They don't mind spending an hour and a half after school sitting down with you, getting you through your internals, or helping you out with whatever you need. So. Yeah, nice. <clears throat> and you're in the hostel as well, I suppose. You've got tutor, tutors and stuff there, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So we've got obviously housemaster and then you've got uh, tutors and then pastoral tutors who aren't actually physically based in the house, but they look after students in the house. So, And, and then again, man, like boarding school at King's, <laughs> like the best time of your life, man. Like you, you create a brotherhood that you just never, you never, ever forget. You make your lifelong friends. Yeah, that's awesome. The amount of memories, bro, I've got within those four walls at shout out St. John's Boarding House at King's College will, will stay with me for life, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Mate, so um, I, I listened to your sort of uh, uh, reflective podcast the other day about things that you'd say to a um, person going into the uh, provincial rugby system. And yep. I've just hearing you say your introduction to King's, like, a lot of those topics brought up that sort of better person, that fifteen year mm-hmm. outlook, that you know, what are you gonna what are you gonna basically be when rugby's gone? Um 
like as, as you said that that conversation has landed with you and you didn't realize the severity of it at the time mate um how, how did that sort of conversation start to then go and think about those topics of what would you say to a, a new professional rugby player and also to an if you got to run an organization that was hosting yeah. young professionals in rugby what how would you like it to run how, how did that come about um, you mean how did I come up with the whole topic of what how like yeah yeah to the, right you were taking okay, you're so, speaking to a de- development officer or something like that yeah yeah so when I was with Taranaki uh, Taranaki Rugby we had a player development manager there by the name of Lisa Holland and she looked after the welfare of all the players and her and I have kept in in, in contact uh, since leaving since I left the the Taranaki scene and she's uh, a follower of a few of the podcasts that I that I've been putting out recently and she was like. A lot of these stories have similar principles. Um, I wonder why you guys never came to me to talk about it. Ah, and, yeah, and, and, and I thought about it, and I was like, yeah, uh, it'd be interesting to know why. So I thought about why I never, and then all of a sudden I was writing down why, and then it would have been 40, 45 minutes later, I'd read four pages, and I was like, shit, there's actually quite a bit of, quite a bit of stuff in here. So I refined yeah. it, and I was like, man, this this needs to be a podcast. I think a lot of people can can learn from what i've got here on these four pages so categorized it and yeah man i just transparently chucked it into a podcast about what advice i would give younger players entering a professional rugby environment or sporting environment in general and when i first entered the professional environment it was i was my first year out of school 2017 so we're talking four years ago and it's changed dramatically in the last four years so um, yeah, awesome learnings in there, man. It was a reflection of my journey as a whole, and they were just a few things that I wish someone had guided me <clears throat> or told me when I first started. So hindsight's a beautiful thing, man. Hmm. Mate, I, I, I saw your post about leaving rugby, um, but I sort of missed out on what was happening in rugby. What was what was the turning point that made you decide to leave rugby? Yeah, man. So. My first year out of school, I was lucky enough to make New Zealand 20s, and that's when I was playing for Howtap. Yeah. Um, I went over to Oceania with the boys, Lukey Jacobson, Ryan Coxon, mentioned them earlier, Sam Caird, all Howtap lads, and um, had a few opportunities there and, um, and, and thought I played all right. Wasn't expecting to even make that side, so I ended up missing out on the World Cup. Uh, yeah, sorry, ended up missing out on the World Cup squad. Last four to five months, and I made the Oceania team again. Um, and I missed out on the World Cup again. And I was, I think I was like one of the three returnees of that team. Yeah. So I didn't expect, didn't expect to get named in the team. I probably trained the hardest I've ever trained in my life. Uh, I sacrificed a lot outside of outside of rugby to obtain that goal of um, of making that World Cup squad, and it never happened for me. So. I think that started posing a lot of questions as to, man, I'm making all these sacrifices, um, I'm in decent form, but things aren't panning out the way that I've imagined or the way that I've set out to kind of go. And um, that kind of started, and then my my nana passed away, actually. My nana passed away, and things were just, um, they just weren't kind of right. Mm -hmm. And... I think I was I was playing I was playing how to tip at the time, 
and I was trying I was trying pretty hard to stick to, to um to keep things together. But like in reality, man, I was I was actually like struggling quite a bit. So I didn't really know how to deal with it. I was only eighteen and mm-hmm. like I was living on my own. Um and obviously living on my own because that whole sacrificial thing around trying to make twenties. I didn't want a flat because I didn't want to have the influence of getting on the piss every Friday, so then I I wanted my body to be in good shape because I wanted to play well, mm. wanted to train well, all of that shit. Um, and then I went down to the Nike for my second season and I just wasn't getting named, bro, and I wasn't in good form. Um, I put on a few kgs and literally everything that I was working towards kind of just fell by the wayside and nothing was happening for me at all. So I remember playing maybe three or four games. Uh, I think I came off the bench against Auckland. Um Count for the bench against Tasman, might, might start against Tasman, but played a handful of games, might attend in the 2018 season. And off the back of it, I just realized that I just had lost all this passion for it, bro. And that was a accumulation of not getting selected, um, putting on weight, losing form, not making 20s. And what it did for me is it just increased my self doubt and like my confidence as a rugby player, like, went like dropped significantly and as you and I both know as the first five so I play first five you're the person who touches the ball the most and if you're not confident mm-hmm. you know like the, the the chances of your team winning like significantly decrease so and I wasn't confident in my abilities for some reason a lot of self-doubt trickled in and personally I just wasn't happy with with life in general so like I, I was never diagnosed with anxiety or depression um, but I definitely wasn't a whole like I think the the only reason why is because I just didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know like I was open to talking about it, but I didn't know didn't have any tools mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. help me get get through it. So um, to be honest, like ultimately the decision was I needed to sort out who I am as a person. I needed to find myself again in order to come back to rugby and be who I am again so mm. I think I lost myself throughout the process and ultimately I ended up um, hanging up the boots temporarily so um, that was that was kind of a big decision for me to make like 18 I was Chiefs 20s I was New Zealand 20s I'd done a stint with the Chiefs Chiefs development um, and like on paper if you look at that man like you, like, you're just getting started yep <clears throat> and you're like man that's a that's a pretty decent CV for an 18 year old but Fuck, man, it's, it's crazy because realistically, deep down, when you actually think of it, like it was, I was at my wit's end with everything. So, mm-hmm. like, I wasn't enjoying training, I wasn't enjoying playing. Um, the only thing I enjoyed was being around the boys and talking shit. So, <laughs> yeah, that, and I don't think that'll ever change. So, that was, that was predominantly like the, the main reason why, bro. Um, and yeah, I've, I've, I'm pretty happy with. Like I've found myself again. I don't regret the decision. Um, it is it is awesome to see some of the boys that I was going through the age groups with, and some of them are Māori All Blacks, All Blacks, and they've solidified their their spot in Super Rugby team. So, and everyone runs their own race. I don't want to compare myself to others. That's the big thing that I've learned as well. And that all came into that podcast as well. All of that information. So, yeah, <clears throat> it was a it was a bloody good podcast mate like you know I, I never made any any sort of 
rep rep teams. I had a good go at a three years of, of trying to play um representative sevens and, and three times got non travelling reserve. But yeah, <laughs> I, I sort of I sort of um felt where you're where you're coming from, uh listening to that podcast and I was like, yeah, that it's um the beauty of of hindsight and and the beauty of um a little bit of extra knowledge is is pretty powerful and like I, I sort of heard in that podcast that you're you're now in a pretty awesome place. You said there like when you're in Waikato in that second year that you live by yourself. Do you think that was sort of part of a slippery slope? Like what else did you have going on in your life apart from that like really dedicated goal? Um, man, to be honest, I put all my eggs in one basket and it was footy, footy, footy. So yeah. my life outside of footy was talking shit about footy with my footy mates. That was pretty much it. Or watching tape. <laughs> or, yeah, watching a bit of film. Um, and like I had a girlfriend, but we we're doing long distance at the time. So that really wasn't like a thing yeah. that I could like directly go to straight away. Um, I lived four hours away from home. So mum and dad were far away. And I think that was at the time it seemed like a good decision. Yeah, yeah. But like, oh, I agree with you in the fact that I think that is a big red flag because what kind of seventeen, eighteen year old doesn't want to live with his mates and enjoy life? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, at, like at, I think it got to the point where I was honestly taking it too serious, and I think that's a that's a slippery slope, and it's hard to come back from that. So it's a pretty fine line, and I think I fully I fully crossed it. Um, but yeah, like you said, man, hindsight's such a good thing. Yeah, I've been listening to a few of old James Marshall's podcasts, What a Lad, um, mm. and like he said, people like Brad Weber on. I know I was doing so many actually talking to Brad Weber, but you know, listening to Brad Weber's experience of moving to Waikato, just like flattened with boys like bloody Jamie McDosh, um, yeah. the bloody McKenzie brothers, you know, some yeah. dirty South Southlanders, um, <laughs> and just like some of the stuff that I get up, up to outside of the team um, was massive. And even Coxie talking about, you know, getting up at one o'clock in the morning to go to the gym and then going yeah. milking cows, play, going to all these trainings, playing on the weekend and just having nil life and then wondering why he's, and, you know, obviously not sleeping, wondering why yeah. he was feeling in a hole. I was just like, man, like, yeah, what, what you then spoke about as a reflection um, was was pretty amazing. Like, it wasn't until I was sort of 25 and finished uni and I was a bit like, yeah, you know, I had, especially my last year of university, I was just so focused on, or well, two things. I was, I was focused on trying to get big, trying to learn how to play number six and also trying to finish this fucking degree that I'd been trying to do <laughs> since I was 12. And like, I was so wrapped, wrapped up. So there's, there's, there's this one stress thing that you, funny enough you get with your eyes and it just starts twitching all the time I had that for like yeah. six months the day I really? finished my, my exams it disappeared and I was like fuck I was, I was strung up <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, <laughs> and then and then I went home and and um again tried to make myself in sevens team and I was doing so well and then like a week out from selections like sort of strain the hamstring I was just like fucking hell like what, yeah. the, what the hell <laughs> and and yeah, it's just like when you as you say when you put the eggs in one basket. If you drop them, man, it's it's, it's such a mess, and, and and it's hard hard to come back from. So then, like at twenty five, I went and saw a psychologist in Christchurch, and he was just like, "Mate, you you're just too hard on yourself right now." And it's funny yeah. you're saying about the, the perspective yeah. of you know looking back on what you achieved. You're like, "Wow, that was pretty awesome," but at the time, you're like, "Fuck, that's not good enough." And it's yeah. so weird. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. And and like if you were. 
if you were any younger person and they looked at that CV, they're like, man, I wish I had that. Yeah. Yeah, if you took but, yourself back to that that boy um, in, in Mawatu just playing footy at a young marriage school and going, in you know, three years' time, you're going to be in the under 20s, you'd be like, shit hot. That's my dream. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I would have been like, fuck, this is, this is awesome. And if I miss out on World Cup, who cares? I'm in the 20s. But, and it's funny how life works and it's um, – it's all about perspective, to be honest. And overall, I don't think I was ready for any of it. Yeah. Um, but I think if I was to kind of don the boots again and get a bit of form under my belt, I think I'd be a lot, a lot more ready. I think I'm like more steady as a person. Yeah. Uh, physically, emotionally, spiritually, if that's what you're into. So, um, yeah, bro. So, what are, what are some of the tools that you've started adopting? Like, I was sort of started using journaling like for rugby and then I sort of found well fuck that's actually quite handy for day to day um yeah. you start a podcast you get into like bounce ideas off of so many different people and you know and, <laughs> and it must be amazing to hear that hear your own thoughts over to you out of your head get sent back to you mate like, you start like <laughs> yeah. oh shit I wasn't alone in this <laughs> yeah 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 you, bro you, you've, you've honestly you've hit the nail on the head there and yeah man started a podcast mainly because I was at a stage in my career where I was starting to have a little bit of status and leaving the game all of a sudden was a bit of a shock to, to most people and mm-hmm. explaining that and articulating how I was feeling was, uh, it was such a struggle for me. And I felt like if I could honestly just sit down, take maybe three days to, f- to figure out what, why the main yeah. reason why, which is what I've just explained to you and, and talk about it just to myself. Uh-huh. So I thought, fuck, that's literally just a podcast. So what I ended up doing was starting a podcast to articulate that whole journey. And off the back of it, I got messages from teammates and people in similar positions, different sports. Hey, man, I'm exactly the same. I was feeling the same. And honestly, you just touched on it at the back end of, of your spell there, is that I honestly thought I was the only one going through all of that and that yeah. no one would understand realistically there were a lot of people feeling the same way and it was it was um yeah i was i was awesome to hear the feedback and to hear how just one episode was was breaking down these barriers of of the mental health scheme and high performance sport and one thing led to another and people like man can i come on your podcast and share my story because i think a lot of people can can learn something from it and long behold i'm about 40 episodes in so nowhere near the stag raw but man like each um each episode's got something different and especially in recent times recent episodes some of the things that people are saying honestly i think that they're just reading my script of of what i've been through so yeah but in terms of some of the tools man that that in hindsight that i've that i've taken into life is probably the biggest one is just to enjoy everything and um like I think if we use the living on my own back in Waikato, for example, I didn't enjoy anything about that. Yeah, I wasn't with the boys. Um, footy wasn't going well, so everything was shit. And yeah, the biggest one of the biggest things that I've learned, and that one of the tools that I use in everyday life now is to enjoy every aspect of life. Enjoy going to bed not having a sore body you know yeah very <laughs> enjoy wake, yeah yeah enjoy waking up not having to go to the gym enjoy eating whatever you want and it's been so refreshing for me man and um 
that's that's big. That is the biggest tool that I've that I've transferred into everyday life for sure. Nice. So where did um the branch of Ghana Police College come up for you, man? That was a really random one, man. I I took that post up on Instagram saying I was leaving footy for a bit, and about a week later, I was just on the couch at home, back in the necky, thinking, man, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? Like, I I feel like a sack of shit. I'm I'm a New Zealand twenties player with no rugby contract, and I'm on my parents' farm, sitting on like I'm, I'm sitting on my parents' couch on my parents' farm. Like, what what are you doing? You know, like sort. Were you even milking the cows, out. man? <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. I wasn't even milking the cows. So yeah, um, it just came to me, man. Man, what about being a cop? And I went online and I applied straight away that day and it still wasn't something that I wanted to do. Kept going through the process. One thing led to another medical exams, ride-alongs was kind of where I thought, man, yeah, this is actually pretty cool. And yeah, the, the further I got into the application process, I thought, yeah, this is, I, th- I think I'm going to put my niche in here. So found myself out the process again and then about nine months later, I was starting police college, man. So yeah, hell of a journey, um, and and I've genuinely, I've genuinely found a passion for for something again, which is awesome. So pretty happy. Yeah. How long did you get to spend at police college, bro? It's sixteen weeks, so oh, yeah, four nice. months. Yeah, yeah. wicked. And was that kind of like the banter that you that you love from rugby? <laughs> how was it? How was it? It was um oh some of the some of the personnel there is a little bit different to to a rugby lad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I must admit. Uh, however, there were a few rugby lads there, so we had it off uh, from day one. So, um, yeah, man, police colleges, it's a journey. I'm not too sure if you've heard some stories, but, yeah, it can be a pretty pretty interesting place from time to time. So uh, I'm glad that I came through unscathed for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't heard stories, thankfully, so, but it sounds, like, it sounds like there are some. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, probably more of an off-air topic to be fair. Yeah, for, for sure, for sure. We don't want to uh, incriminate the people that uh, look look after us. That's, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all, not at all. No, but, um, so do, do you have some sort of aspirations within within the police force now? Any sort of type of spot that you'd like to line yourself into? Yeah, man, I've got a few to be fair. And number one for me is dog dog squad. Yeah, being a dog handler, um, that, that's by far the best job. In place, you know, um, the relationship you have with your dog, uh, pressure, um, high stimulus is what's what I'm used to in a footy arena, something that I throw off, um, making high pressure decisions, and sometimes life life threatening moments. So, um, you rely on your dog, it's just you and him, and a lot of people place a lot of uh, a lot of respect and demand a lot from dog handlers so um yeah the, i think they definitely do their part in and and what we call our business in terms of new zealand police and which is making making the community a safer place so catching burglars um, catching people running from stolen cars jumping mm. fences people unlawfully on property people nicking things so the real cool stuff man i like like i said i'm a practical person um i want to be out there making a difference not sitting behind a desk typing on a computer so Dog handling would be one. Uh, number two would be real keen on a little bit different, but eagle. 
they call it Eagle. It's the police helicopter up here in Auckland. Uh, they do a really good job. They deal with uh, missing persons, land and water rescues, uh, police chases, firearms incidents. So, um, and they get really busy, as you can imagine, up here in Auckland, covering the whole the whole area. So you got out west, you got out south, North Shore, and a bit, and a little bit further up. So I think those two would be really awesome. Um, and then probably when I get a little bit older, um, diplomatic protection services, DPS Oof. for short. Um, it's pretty much just like being bodyguards for ministers or prime minister or or something like that when I'm old and fragile. So, um, <laughs> but with the sense yeah. of skills, eh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right, hundred percent. Got a book over there as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to get you have to get down on the border, mate. It's a hell of a gig. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's funny, man. I've I've actually been seconded to um the COVID hotels up here in Auckland nice. for managed isolation. So yeah. yeah, we have a role to play there where we um it's more so our presence to be fair, like these like these yeah. people who are coming in and, and spending fourteen days in isolation, uh majority of them are law abiding citizens. So we nine times out of ten we things go off without a hitch, so um, I'm, I'm on that at the moment, pretty similar to, to the borders. Yeah. But only difference is I'm tucked up in a nice hotel room. I'm not sure it's not standing out in the cold, eh? Yeah, for sure, for sure. And then you haven't had to don the baller suit and, and full PPE and check something out? Yeah, I have actually, yeah, multiple Oof. times. So yeah. um, but it's, it can get pretty hot on those things, eh? You've got obviously. That's <laughs> so why it's called a boiler <laughs> yeah, man, one hundred percent. And you go from your, your body temperature just clocks through the roof as soon as you chuck it on. You got gloves and goggles, and obviously when you're breathing through your mask, your goggles go foggy. So then your fucking whole head gets hot. So um, yeah, interesting times we're living in, man. Interesting times. Yeah, and um, after you do something like that, are you getting tested or what's your what's your protocols, mate? Yeah, our protocols getting tested every fourteen days uh, minimum. Yeah, so get your brain scratched every fortnight. It's always good fun. <laughs> um, they're bringing in the saliva test at the moment, so a lot less painful, but a little bit more admin. Um, but man, like you walk through one door, they have different uh, zones in the hotels: hot zone, cold zone, or green zone, red zone. If you're in a green zone, you wear a certain type of mask. When you cross over, you got to sanitize your hands, take your mask off, re-sanitize, chuck a new mask on, sanitize again. So it's, you're sanitizing, oh, hundreds of times a day, and don't, like don't go cut some wood, mate. Oh, I was <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I got, a, got a horrific blister. <laughs> <laughs> mate, is it, are you finding it exhausting? Like, geez, oh, I'm getting to the end of the day, especially I think it's partly wearing a mask and breathing your own ear all day, but like, yeah. like, <clears throat> geez, um, like you say, you've just got to like be so conscious about every bloody step you take and you can't go into that sort of real like competent phase. You're just like second guessing yeah. yourself all the time. Yeah, that's it. You definitely can't be complacent, especially in, in the hotels. And you just got to be so self-aware. And, man, honestly, you get home, like, I'm sitting I'm sitting down majority of the shift. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm spending eight hours sitting down saying hello to people as they walk past. But I get home and I'm knackered, man. I'll hit the, I'll hit the couch and I'm out for two hours. So and I'm doing nothing. I'm, yeah. doing, I'm literally doing nothing. So, you, Mate, you said, like, uh, being a dog handler, you know, even just normally you can be in a sort of high pressure situation how how much is that and like this might be completely bullshit but how analogous is that to like receiving the ball off the back of the line out or off the back of the scrum and decision time do whatever you're going to do especially if you take it to the line like is that analogous yeah. or nah <laughs> I, I, I think there are 
probably more of a more realistic uh how would you say it correlation would be like a game winning kick or okay. um <clears throat> yeah something something that's gonna like the consequence can be almost the worst so for example in, in footy losing or getting an injury um oh, it right. could be yeah so um, to those types of pressure moments um that that you live in so that's that's how i'll describe um, a lot of the high pressure moments as as a as a cop um as a dog handler obviously i'm not a dog handler yet so i can't speak for them um but that's what i could almost imagine them being in high pressure situations um yeah. majority of their shift to be fair yeah yeah well there's a dog handler or two out there that listen to this podcast so maybe they'll be able to get in touch with you and give you some insight yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah hopefully hopefully it's um it's an awesome gig to be a part of man and and it's it's definitely the best job in in place and and probably in the world um it's a bit biased but yeah man it's uh it's an awesome it's an awesome gig and hopefully hopefully one that i'm lucky enough to to be a part of so pretty pretty hard to get a dog job i'm not gonna be i'm not gonna lie so um yeah so it's it's all about doing the right things and gotta foster a puppy and make sure that your puppy's all good so obviously you're not gonna have a good chance of getting a dog job if your if your puppy can't even if your puppy doesn't know its name so yeah, yeah, and so like, what what's keeping you grounded with with this that type of goal? Given like what you went through um, with your rugby goals, like what what sort of perspective are you taking forward, man? <clears throat> that it may not work out, and it, and that's fine. Yeah, to be fair, like if it doesn't work out for me, then that's all right. Life's gonna go on, and the sun's gonna shine tomorrow, and and you're still gonna be still gonna be a cop, and um. And, and do your best to to keep the community safe. So, and obviously, like being a dog handler is, is the north star for me. And when when someone runs away from me while I'm at work, I take that personal. And and, <laughs> and if they get away, then I honestly go home angry, man. It's like it's like losing a footy game. So, um, yeah, I can I can beat myself up about it, but the next day I'm sweet again. So, um, much like footy, uh, much like decisions being made on the street as a cop, um. I'll debrief them on my own on my way home and think, man, what could have I, what could have I done better? So, um, but yeah, man, biggest thing is just realizing that, man, it may not work out, but fuck, it is what it is. Everything happens for a reason. So, um, just taking everything with a grain of salt now. Eh? No, no, I said, um, yeah, as we said before, the power of perspective and, and um, having a little yeah. bit of experience is, is pretty huge. Um, yeah, for sure. What, what's making the feed itch, bro? Um, what, what, what sort of tapping you on the shoulder that maybe I could play rugby again? Oh, man, to be honest, I've, oh, I think it's, um, I think one of the biggest things is seeing that camaraderie. Mm-hmm. I went and went and watched a few a few games, uh, Kings versus Dean, one of them, a few club games, a few of my mates in the finals, and just seeing that camaraderie of the boys and um, in those high pressure situations where your season's on the line and and everyone's stoked after you get a kick over and <laughs> and obviously like one of my favorite things is running out, so just little things, man, are starting to get the feet itchy again. Um, but I think if I was to return to the game be a much um more all-rounded person so i think i needed that definitely needed the the break from footy so mm. yeah I'm, I'm in talks with varsity at the moment should be interesting 
and the, the good ladies that look after you. No, uh, yeah. no. <laughs> good bloody good bloody good club and uh, bloody good club rooms at Colin Maiden Park. Um, yeah, pl- yeah, I've heard, I've heard. Plenty of uh, Kings boys have been through that rugby team as well. Um, yeah, yeah, heard that but, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, as you said there, like you're keen on the pressure situations. Like, um, have, have you always? I guess that's kind of what what people become when they say, "Yeah, I'm going to play first five eight. He said, "I'm going to be the one that touches the ball the most in the game, or the halfback yeah. as well." But um, yeah, I'm going to be one of the halves. I'm going to make some decisions. I'm going to steer this team around the field, and I'm going to put the ball into places on the field that hopefully mean that we can, you know, capitalize. Yeah. Like, yeah. Wh- where did that start coming in? Um. Pretty young man to be fair. Like my old man was my coach growing up, and there was always those drives home where it was just critiquing, critiquing, and <laughs> kind of just built my mindset and got to the stage where I just loved having that responsibility from the boys. So, so for example, you're two points down and there's five minutes to go. It doesn't matter where you're on the where you are on the field. Captain looks straight at you and goes, "This is yours." You know, like I love having that. I love having that responsibility mm-hmm. and I love that people can place trust in me to be able to get a job done. And I think like that doesn't, it definitely comes with, um, with personality. Like I think if you, if you think of any type of person in high performance arena that has got that mindset, mm-hmm. they live and breathe that's who they are as a person, not just as an athlete. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I try to build uh, my personality around. And I think off the back of it, like it's just who I was in, in in the rugby environment. And I wasn't always like that. And it, it went in it went in um, ups and downs. So I remember one time we were playing Auckland Yarra Stadium. We were playing Taranaki versus Auckland, and I came off the bench, and uh, we were down by I think we were down by six. Mm. I'd have been down by six, and um, was, the herder had went, and we went like eighty meters, bro. And I scored a try in the corner, Ooh. and um, yeah, I scored a try in the corner. And like in those moments, like every other time, I would have been like, "Yeah, this kick is mine. This is fucking mine." And for some reason, bro, like I just didn't want it. And Stephen Pettifer came up to me, he's like, "Bro, do you want it?" And I'm like, "Fuck, whatever, whatever's going to help the team." So he took the ball kicked it and unfortunately we lost and like I'm not to say that I was going to get the kick over but that kind of spoke to me as well I'm like man like I'm not that person at the moment that mm-hmm. I thought I was so um, man I think the biggest thing is is having trust and responsibility from people and I think that that's not always there like you've got to earn that mm-hmm. and, like, and police is no different so mm-hmm. and, and you can earn it and then you can fuck it up all in all in one job or all in one one trial, one kick. So, um, I, I, yeah, I love having that responsibility on my shoulders, man. I love people believing in me. That's that's the best feeling. Yeah, bro. Oh, I can relate to that massively. Though. I've always like sort of felt that I could influence a game or like influence a team. Um, yeah. Did, did did you sort of have some external markers that that you had like? For me, going through high school, I played soccer, and so like David Beckham was, you know, 
despite what happened to him in France where he got the red card and stuff, like he yeah. still stuck at it, became England captain. And he was just like a bit like you're saying with kicking a goal. He was that guy that free kick came up, Bex was there, and it was either put it on the spot for someone to knock it away or he's got to put it just in the goal. And mm. like that, that was somebody that I was so aspirational about. Like um, Rich McCaw just absolutely loved everything he did. Yeah. Like it just yeah. worked great. Um, see that in Sam Kane as well. Um, just like loved the fact that that they're so process oriented. Like if you watch, sit there and watch them for the whole game, they're just job, 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 job. And mm. like, and they do. They they influence the game and they change the game. And when they're not there, you see that something's different and you can't put your finger on it. And then they come back and you're like, oh holy shit, that's right. They do yeah. so much in the game. And and that's that's what I always aspire to be. Did you have someone? Or some sort of mod, external model that you, that you had of of how you wanted to um, play the game. Um, to be fair, not really. Like I, I did have I did have like idols growing up in the game, and they were obvious ones like Dan Carter and the likes. But yeah, I think as I kind of grew my grew my game, and I kind of grew up a little bit, and off the back of going to Kings and being in that twenty system. I kind of didn't really see my game fitting into anyone that had played before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, like I, I always tried to emulate like a little bit of like a little bit of Liam Sopwanga, but also a little bit of Bodie. So mm-hmm. by Bodie, obviously not the speed and the skills and fucking everything else, but <laughs> like, but but just but the Terenaki hardcore, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. So more like the tactical awareness. Yeah. Um, more about personnel, more about making smart decisions, Lima more around the kicking game and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, man, it, it was interesting not having like that North Star as a footy player, to be fair. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I think I think it would have been, if I did have one, it would be a different conversation, to be fair. Yeah. 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 Um, where, where did mental skills come in? Like, was, was there much going on in like internal psychology? Like, you know how oh, you bro, think I, nah there was literally none um like i was I, I grew up being like in an environment where i was it was sweet to to talk about how i was feeling and be vulnerable and all of that stuff which was awesome um and and that kind of linked into when i was playing footy i was happy to talk about it with anyone but mm-hmm. uh, i just I honestly thought that because I was the only one going through it and that I thought that the, what I was feeling was so unique that not even professionals could understand what I was what I was experiencing. So real small-minded, bro, to be fair. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I literally just didn't have tools to deal with what I was going through. And i was probably a lot i was pretty closed-minded as well to be fair like i don't know if i would have been open to actually taking on board advice because i was quite stubborn back then as a young bloke and mm-hmm. um like in the in the footy arena there was don't get me wrong there's mental skills coaches everywhere but they're more mindset based so yeah. for example david galbraith they call him dg yeah yeah uh, he was just behind me there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, DG, one of the greats. Like unleashing greatness, well, if you're looking for it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I um, mean, he'll do that. And like, I remember being part of the chief system, and did you sit down, with Damian McKenzie, and he was like, and and so Demac got a smile from kicking off DG. Yeah. 
and like that's kind of the mental stuff it's more like mindset based in terms of and it's me versus you on the field i'm gonna fuck you up or yeah you know, um, like what's it called? moments of perfection eh? Yeah, yeah yeah moments of perfection they call them mops bro so yeah um yeah not not quite dealing with self-doubt and low confidence and stuff um mm. so yeah, I didn't quite see the correlation between how I was feeling that fat into the rugby narrative. So yeah. I kind of kept my mouth shut, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, I think old DG needs to write another book because I, I, when I was in Cambridge, I was driving back. I don't know why. I was driving back from Taranaki for some reason. And um, <laughs> he, he, was, he was on the radio. You just saw the light, bro. You saw yeah, the light. Yeah, no. <laughs> he, he, was on, he was on the radio and he, he was talking exactly about that. He was talking about like, players in social media and, and how they got to like, you know, have high self-worth. They've got to really know who they are. They've got to really be passionate about the things that they are doing uh, yeah. uh, becoming great in that um, people slag them. And, and, and maybe, maybe this is what you're saying. It's not even about the other people. It's their inner critic. That's just like can tear you down and, and, and like everybody else is just appears to be living their life and appears to be going on. And, and you kind of feel like, you know, you're not entering into the equation, and and you're left kind of feeling alone, like oh fuck, well, yeah. it's just me, and I'm I'm, I'm here by home, and no one cares. They yeah. they all they're worrying about is this this you know, say for example, Tanaki Bulls, can we win yeah. the shield again? Can we make the final again? And I'm just yeah. you know a little cog in it, and right now they're not engaging my gear. Yeah, that's right, 100. percent So yeah, as per that podcast I throw out, man, it's more like building that footy player as a person. So outside of footy what's his life look like yeah um and that's the kind of area that i'm really passionate about outside of outside of my nine to five at the moment i know mate um something that sort of fascinated me in in that podcast you talked about like um investing in in nfts and stuff like how how deep down that nft rabbit hole have you gone and how do you think that could could fit a young player bro bro, to be honest um that's probably about all I know about NFTs is NFT, the word NFT. <laughs> <laughs> like a, uh, oh, um, man, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I definitely need to, to, sc- to school up on, on crypto and NFT. Uh, I do think it's the way of the future, but like, man, if, like if that would be some advice that I'd be giving to professional rugby players that you've got a platform, you've got status, make sure that when you come off the back of retiring or you get injured, that you've got different pathways in your life not something to fall back on but different pathways in your life different passions so when you hang up the boots and all your eggs in that one basket fall on the ground you got nothing that's not what you want so um i'd be looking big picture if i was them i'd be thinking 30 40 years in time i'd be investing in crypto i'd be making nfts on themselves um i don't know much about nfts but from like what i'm about to talk about them about it's more like branding themselves bro and branding their name trademarking their name trademarking some of the slang that they say with the mm. boys you know like just just little things little things that could um that could really come in handy in 20 30 years time is what i'll be telling young players for sure i know i'll have to find you the video bro i think it's i think the, the show is called impact theory i can't quite think of, of the dude's name but he explains it like super well I'd sort of had a, a small handle on it, and and he explains it too well. And, and I, I don't want to butcher it, so maybe I'll also put it in the, in the show notes. But um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's fascinating you're saying about NFTs. Like, 
he's not making one of himself or or, or his plays. You know, he could he could probably uh, go halves with Bodie on that um, try against Argentina. But Luke Jackson the other <laughs> day, the other day, um, chucked up that he that he bought one. So like, obviously the conversation conversations being had uh, amongst the top echelon, the the All Blacks. Yeah. So um, yeah, like um, it's going to be an inter- interesting time. And like I said, that uh, out the back bullet pass. I'm sure uh, Luke has fifty fifty odds on that one so you know maybe, maybe they could come to an agreement that it, <laughs> yeah. I think I think the form that he's in and how he's going I don't I definitely don't think he'll be short of coin so um, yeah, well, yeah I, I, and I also, like, also I think for that try like Luke had to keep up with Bodie so you know yeah, yeah well that's yeah. right surely you got a, a bit of a bonus out of that <laughs> no but I think like I think TJ Perinata he's harder into crypto um I don't know if you listen to the Waterlad podcast that he did with James Marshall but there was no, I have to go back and listen about, to that one yeah yeah man give it a listen they were talking about how instead of getting paid money from New Zealand rugby or whoever getting paid yeah. in crypto um so man like the conversation's definitely out they're definitely pushing the boat out uh, it'll be interesting to see how they're um how they're going to navigate that space I, I do i do think that the all blacks are doing it well they're definitely branding themselves a lot better if you think of artis are there he's got his own podcast he's got a clothing yeah. line um pushes out the mental health message he pushes that boat out as well so i think Artie's doing it really well i think he's getting into nfts from from rumors yeah. on the podcast so yeah. Changing that narrative, man. And even even the All Blacks themselves, um, whoever whoever's in marketing is obviously, you know, they've got somebody on the socials and like all of a sudden All Blacks pop up on TikTok and you're like, oh, get out. And it's like quite funny shit. Like and what what I what I was stoked to see is old Ethan the Groot, you know, the the prop from Gore is just like full of banter and just, <laughs> <laughs> take, just taking on fellas. Stag, eh? Yeah, taking on fellas in the dangerous. I was like, good, good shit, mate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, was, yeah. Yeah. I expect nothing less from someone from down <laughs> from <that far> south. <laughs> no, the gore. No, it's good. It's good. It's good. It's good value to see. And, and, and yeah, like, um, just as you say, branding is, is massive. And especially if you've got a platform mm-hmm. and, and, you know, this, this could be something that's one game. It could be no games. It could be, yeah. uh, 15 years, you know, but then what are you going to do? And, um, yeah. Like even you know, going back to Richie, yeah, you know that he's, he always had the helicopter thing, mate. You could could end up That's working right. with, with him in the choppers. <laughs> That's it, no, you're not wrong. So I think it's just important for them to not put all their eggs in one basket. Uh, it's probably yeah. one of the common common denominators out of this podcast so far. Yeah, bro, and, and like, yeah, that, that's massive, mate. So you said you got what forty odd episodes now. Yeah, man. Yeah, they've um they're going up pretty quickly. Yeah, at the moment I'm chucking up like two a week, which is I'm just trying to get on top of things. Uh, it's yeah. been awesome. It's, yeah, there's so many people out there who want to share their story, and uh, I remember when I was maybe like ten, twelve episodes in, I was like asking every cat in there, man, like every dog, every sorry, every man and their dog, bro, jump on the potty, jump on the potty. What was um, the response, but, man? Like, like it was just kind of like, how does it work? <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot of the time it is because. These are people that have never done a podcast before, so you got to take them through the whole how it works, and that it, like explain to them that it's just a yarn, and if they say something, I can always take it out off, off the back of it. But um, yeah, the response was nil. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there was no response. Um, yeah. But man, I'm I'm at the point now where people are like messaging me, "Hey, bro, like, do you mind if I jump on the podcast, or can you?" Can you ask this person if they can? I'd be keen to hear their story. So, 
and there's definitely a few a few listeners out there which i'm which i'm grateful for so um i'm just honestly man i just enjoy it it's a good way to to wind down out of work um it's nice to have my mind go somewhere different in that flow state outside of outside of work so something that obviously i've never had before refreshing wicked and crm uh, and what what platforms is on apple and spotify yeah, Apple, Spotify at the moment. Um, I want to push it out onto a few different platforms um, over time. But yeah, man, CRM podcast, it's just my initials, Sharon, Ruben, Martoi. So something pretty simple. Obviously, like off the back of how I think that people should be branding themselves, I tried to brand my name off the back of it, which is one of the main reasons behind the naming. But um, it's been an interesting journey, man. I did like the first 30 odd with like a USB mic, kind of like you. Yeah. Um, real, real hard to navigate. Um, editing heaps of shit audio, shit quality, <laughs> but um, yeah, we, we're moving up in the world. Yeah, you got the uh, road podcast, a hell, hell of a kit. I just um, yeah, just saw uh, Test Cam's got their version out now, and I'm like, ooh, ooh maybe, because yeah, <laughs> I, like, I, I got like a digital interface, but then I'm like, oh, like, but that's set up quite good for podcasting, and it's like got the little yeah. USB recording in it. Hello, <laughs> 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 so well, you've you've just clocked up 200 episodes, day. Yeah, yeah, no, it's um, like it's four years old. So, what was it August 2017? The the end of end of my last season at Hotapu. Um, yeah. Sort of, sort of around the time where I got my head rattled very badly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. Um, yeah, just like um, it's just evolved and guests have changed and, and themes have changed. But um, yeah, no, it's pretty interesting when when you sort of look at it all. It's all just about yeah, people doing awesome shit and and like all the different versions that you can live your life is is awesome and astounding. And and yeah, like it's funny we were saying about you know people telling you your story back to you and it's the, the same thing even this conversation today i'm like yeah you can relate to that yeah can relate to that yeah can relate to that you know it's, it's crazy and then and then it, i think i think what's also cool about that is like you're relating to someone so much and then you're sort of holding them in regard because they do something awesome and it's, and it's yeah of course it 100%. should it should be create that click within people that Hey, I relate to that person and the things they're going through, and they're able to do awesome shit. Maybe I can do awesome shit. Maybe I can do that thing that I, you know, that goal that that um, I don't know, aspiration that I have. And yeah, it can be tough sometimes because like um, what you aspire to be and, and what you expect to be is not often the reality, or, or it's some version of that reality comes about. Um, yeah. and there's always always lessons from it, but um, yeah, trying to you know carry on, keep moving, and, and keep trucking is. is yeah, that's that's human experience, I guess, eh? Yeah, I agree, man. I think podcasting is such an awesome way to converse with people like humans and humans love to converse with humans. It's just how we how we're built, how we're engineered. So uh like it's relatable, it's personable and like it's just like any normal chat, man. When you chat with someone and they say something, it'll trigger something in your mind and think, fuck, it'll take your mind to a different place, you know? Like it yeah. like it's it's so cool, man. And actually to have the ability to record it and for other people to listen to a conversation mm. is pretty neat too. So, um, yeah, I love what you, I, I, I love, I love the whole podcasting world and I love, I love what you're doing. Eh? I love the guests that you've been getting on recently. Um, it's just so cool to see, man. Whatever happened to, um, the rugby roundup, you know, your little, uh, <laughs> yeah. your video series. Yeah, mate, they're, they're all on YouTube. 
Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know whether I put because when I, I did play rugby in Australia, I probably shouldn't have. But anyway, <laughs> that's another story. Uh, <laughs> and so I was doing it over the year, but I think I only chucked it up on um, Snapchat. Um, so I don't know if I put those those Australian ones on YouTube. But yeah, yeah, there's right. sort of uh, three or four seasons that I that I did the rugby roundup. Yeah, it was, yeah, nice. So yeah, I was just record. It's it's actually a takeoff. Like um, one of the varsity leads had started it, and um, right. and so yeah, and I, and I just replicated it. So yeah, it was it was not an original original thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, but you know, it was it was lots of fun, and especially you know, come come Tuesday, it was it was always a good way to to start training. Like you know, some yeah. of the, some of the start the banter off. You know. So um where else do people find you? Um Sari podcast on Instagram. What what else you got, mate? Yeah, man. Instagram, um, put a lot of my content through there, just like videos and reels and, and photos or feedback and stuff like that, and just interactions with the listeners and the followers. Um and CRM podcast on Apple Spot uh sorry, Apple Podcast and Spotify at the moment. So um yeah, slowly pushing the boat out. Yeah, and all the and all the merch they're just getting through DMing you, are they? Yeah, man. So, oh, man, merch is um, it's such a big realm to get into. Eh? There's so much admin <laughs> behind it. Like, I've just brought out some stickers. I yeah, only bro. bought sixty. I've got like two of them left. I'll, I'll send one through to you, bro. Man. Um, yeah, but um, bro, like they've gone at the door in like the last two days, and I honestly thought they'd stick around for a wee while, but um. Man, people want them and they're flying at the door. Like one of my boys bought 10, my auntie bought seven. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I can Good. save some for the rest of us, man. Yeah. Um, but bro, I was thinking of like, I mean, just like masks or something like that. Um, yeah. But fuck, man, it's, um, it's a lot of admin. If you put on top of like you're recording two podcasts a week, you're planning for them, then you got to edit them, you got to chop them up, and then you got to talk to people on the gram. Yeah, social. You got to send them off social. So there's a lot going on behind the scenes, but it's um, it's a good flow state to get into outside of work, like I mentioned before. Yeah, good fun, good learning, good skills, mate. Yeah. Um, you you just said at the flow state, bro. Um, what do you have like a mantra or, or a way you live your life that just means that things bloody do go right? Um, or like when things are going right, something's showing up that you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm nailing that. Um. Oh man, to be honest, it's not not really a mantra, but like I think the daily routine's massive for me, mm-hmm. um, especially morning, especially morning routine, and it just kind of sets me up for the day how I want to live it. And like my morning routine at the moment is wake up, um, straight to have a glass of water. So a lot of people like to chuck coffee in their coffee in their body straight away, man. Like it's I don't know. I, I wouldn't, but um, not 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 directly after you wake up. But yeah, man, um, straight down have a cup of water, ten minutes of uh, med- meditation, like just breath work from um, Wim Hof. Have you heard of Wim Hof? Wim Hof, yeah, bro. I've, man. I've got the uh, similar start to the morning in, in the opposite order. Now I'm going yeah, nice. th- three rounds, and then old Nigel Beach has got this little uh, like four breaths, then hold it for five seconds, try to get that up for five or ten minutes. It's really sort of calming, and then yeah. Yeah. But like, but like, you know, I, I love my coffee in the morning. I, I, I make a massive stovetop, but exactly that. Oh, legit. Grab, grab a, a good glass of water and and um, yeah, nice. Just slow down and and then jump in the cold shower. So yeah, and um, yeah, how good. What's his name? General 
McRaven and, and Jordan Peterson make make the bloody bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. So, yeah, man, um, I've found a lot of benefits from just like closing your eyes as soon as you wake up, doing ten minutes of breath work. Just like for some reason, man, you just like open your eyes and you're so clear with either something that you got to do in the day or and you, it just puts things in perspective. So it's the best way to wake up, especially when you're doing it like. Uh, sunrise or yeah. um, you know like it's it's real soothing so when you go into that flow state or zen state that people describe it as it's such a good feeling so um, yeah bro I'll do that and then I'll have a green tea nice and then um, yeah green tea and then I'll just um, I'll jump on my laptop or phone or whatever and just write out like my morning thoughts just get all my thoughts out out of my head pretty much and then kick start my day so if I start an early shift or a day shift that starts at 6 a.m., I'll get up at about 4.35 and, and smack mm. it out. So um, mm. off the back of it, I don't know if you've read it. I know you're into books. I can see the collection growing behind you, but <laughs> Atomic Habits from James Clare. Have you read that? Uh, no, I do know about it, though. Um, uh, Ryan Nicholson re- recommended that the first time we talked as well. But, yeah, yeah, nice. yeah no, I, I love, love that uh, morning routine thing and, like, no, no matter what time you get up, just sort of going, going through it. Um, it's funny yeah. you were saying about the Wim Hof thing. Like, it's like quite like it's an easy thing to do, but it's also an easy thing to not do. And like, I find that just like being like, nah, do it. And then I've done it enough times where I've gone for periods without it, and then I get shitty. And then I'm like, yeah. what's going on in my life? And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm not doing breath work in the morning. And actually, mm. when I do breath work in the morning consistently, I just have good days. Yeah. <laughs> and and so yeah, so. Now, now that I know enough enough times where I've been going shitty, I'm like, oh, yeah, I've stopped doing breath work in the morning. <laughs> I like that's that's what I tell myself in the morning. Now, like, nah, do the breath yeah. work. It's just like this insignificant tool that like gives massive returns um, for me anyway. Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. I agree, and it's um, man, it's put a lot of things in perspective for me in my life, which has been awesome. So, um. And then off the back of it, man, I've even got like a bedtime routine as well, like turning off the phone, yeah. reading a book instead of like fucking like ten minutes of reading a book of like Neck it, eh? like some some knowledge, where it knocks you out. But it's also better than like just scrolling on like on Instagram or whatever. So yeah, um, yeah, bro. I think like there's especially around meditation and yoga, like there's this feminine like stigma around it. Like yeah. I understand that, I get that, but fuck, man, it's it's been a massive uh massive north star for me in my life recently anyway yeah and it's funny like you'll be doing the breath and then you'll just have like this realization like out of fucking nowhere and you're like yeah yeah, yeah. that was weird i just think of that yeah yeah i can think of that the amount of times I've like thought of patterns that i do in my day-to-day life and i'm like find the root cause of like some shit comment at primary school or, or high school and you're like <laughs> what am i holding on to that shit for yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's why that prick said that yeah, yeah. <laughs> let it go nah. awesome bro <laughs> speaking of that bedtime routine better better crack into it um where are we going yeah, like yeah. Get, getting late but um thanks so much for coming on brother it's, it's gonna be awesome to, to share it and, and hopefully this uh Says a few folks your way as well, because what you're doing is bloody awesome, especially um, if you're uh, into that sort of mindset journey and, and, you know, the trials and tribulations of life when you're trying to be a high achiever. It's, um, yeah, it 
Type A personality is dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I agree, man. No, thank you for your time, bro. Thank you for having me. Um, it's been awesome to to follow your journey. Uh, 200 episodes in, man. It's a massive achievement. So love what you're doing. Um, always been a fan of your work. Awesome to just sit down and chew the fat for a while. Um, yeah, it's been a while, bro. It's been a couple of years. So, yeah, like uh, – um, No, yeah, again, man. Thank you for your time. Appreciate you. Cheers, bro. Press stop. Yeah, bro.